Mormon Discussions and its lineup of great podcasts is about helping Latter-day Saints like you tackle deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping these podcasts alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the programs on this podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber or making a donation at mormondiscussions.org. Again, that's Mormon Discussions, plural with an S on the end, dot org. Donate today and support programs like Mormon Discussion, Radio Free Mormon, Mormon Awakenings, The Mormon Wellness Project, Mormon History Podcast, Marriage on a Tightrope, and others. If these programs benefit you and you want to see these continue, please consider making an annual donation starting today. All donations are tax exempt inside the United States and go towards keeping the podcast alive. Mormon, Mormon Discussions and its lineup of great programs. Helping you navigate Mormonism one episode at a time. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're here, so we are still married. Huzzah! Sorry that it's been a little bit of time. Some time has gotten away from us. I had a work trip that lasted a week. We went on vacation. We just got back a day ago from vacation. So we're back, ready to produce some just riveting content for everybody. I think this will be a popular episode because I think this is like a big a topic that people ask us. When we go to dinner or we get emails or messages from people, a lot of people ask us, how did you tell your family? And what did they know about Alan's faith journey here? And so I think that this will be really helpful to some of you. I hope so. And also, uh, just a shout out to those couples who have been on dates with us. We've had a really good time. And I want to put it out there that if you want to contact us, um, Alan and I have talked to multiple people on the phone. So if you are too far um, to meet with us, just know that you know, we have, we're listening ears and we're happy to talk on the phone with you, even though Alan doesn't love to talk on the phone. I don't know what it is. I hate talking on the phone. Even with Katie, after a few minutes, I'm just go, all right, I'm getting anxious. I got to go. But he could spend hours on his Fortnite game. Oh, Fortnite. Add me. Dogs die on uh, Epic Games Launcher. Okay, that's not the point of this. Anyway, also, um, we are on Instagram as Marriage on a Tightrope. You can go on there and follow us. We did give a little picture of us um, and what we look like. Because I think you must think we're a little bit of a mystery if you haven't like found us on social media or looked us up. There we are. There's a picture on there. And uh, we do give updates when I remember. I'm the tall one. (laughs) You're the tall one. Yeah. I'm the like tiny one next to him. (laughs) (laughs) So on to today's topic. Today, as Katie mentioned, and as the title reads, today we're talking about um, talking with family and friends about this journey of faith. And as a disclaimer, the two disclaimers we want to make, we got permission from my brother Cameron, who's my older brother, four years older, and from Katie's sister Jackie to mention them specifically uh, and talk about our experience with both of them. As we have talked about in this podcast, we want to be uh, very sensitive to anonymity to others or respecting their privacy as well. So Cameron and Jackie have been awesome enough to allow us to talk about our experience with them, which has been very positive on both fronts. 
Right, which I think that um, that's one of the reasons why we want to use them as examples. And I think that we just, as much as we can, it's more about us than it is about anyone else. And it's, you know, I don't know. I feel like it could be just one-sided if you only hear about right one, you know. So along with that, um, people ask us how we tell our families about where we're at and how we tell close friends. And just, I mean, again, this is our experience. It's not going to work for everyone because everyone has different families and are in, are in different and are in different situations. And so um, how are my family or Alan's family response will be different. But we hope that this content gives you some ideas of how to begin that conversation with them. Maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe they already know. Maybe you've already reached out. Whatever it may be. But um, just hopefully this will give you some help. Yeah, I'll even take it one step further. We're not even saying that the way that we did it is the right way to do it, even for us. <laughs> right. Uh, because we do have regrets on how we did it. Yeah, we do. And, and we'll we'll certainly talk about that. So mm-hmm. I think a good way to start this off is just talking about, uh, I can talk about my experience with my family. Because when, when I started going through this, uh, it, it was, it's difficult because you don't know who you should or who you can open up to. And it's it's kind of hard to know who's going to react what what way, and I was very lucky and blessed. I can use the word blessed. Blessed to have hashtag blessed hashtag blessed <laughs> tender mercies. I was very lucky and blessed to have uh, my brother Cameron start his faith uh, journey very very close at the same time period that I did. In fact, his moved much quicker, just based on circumstances in his life. So. For me, it was I was very lucky to have somebody that I could open up to right off the bat, very, very close to the beginning. And, and that was really important because as you're going through a, a faith crisis, for those that are the ones going through it or have gone through it, it is very isolating and um, it can be very difficult, especially if, you're, if your loved ones around you, including your spouse, don't feel the same way that you do. You, you're, you're concerned over what they're going to say, what they're going to do. Is this going to ruin relationships? So having my brother Cameron, who I've always looked up to and been very, very close to, going through the same thing that I was going through was extremely helpful. Extremely helpful. So he had his brother Cameron. And you know when you have a problem, especially when it's with your spouse, like my instinct is like, okay, let's just work it out. We can figure out the solution together. And then once we get to the solution, maybe in hindsight, we can talk to our families and friends about this big problem we had and how we worked through it. And Alan, if you haven't already noticed, is a people pleaser. And to be honest, we both are, both of us are. And because of that, Um, It's not something that you like just share with everybody because you're still trying to figure it out yourself. And so because of that, um, nobody really knows. And Alan had his brother Cameron, but I didn't have anyone. And, And many of you have listened before. This is what blossomed out of it was this podcast because of that. But um, I, I said to him, you know, you're so worried about what other people are going to think about you. But 
that leaves me very isolated because I can't talk to anyone. And I'm going through my own grieving process and my own difficult time. But like, who do I get to talk to? And so he mentioned a friend that I could talk to who lived on the other side of the United States. And um, she knew both of us. And so she was pretty far removed from the situation. And I could call her and just cry or complain to her or, you know, whatever. And she was like that perfect person. But then as time went on, I felt like I needed more moral support here on the home front. And so I have another close friend that lives in my neighborhood, and she became that person. We would go on late night walks, and I would just kind of pour my heart out to her, and she was going through her own stuff, and so she would talk to me too, and it was just really nice. But as the year went on, um, I just felt like I was lying? I don't know if that's the right word. Like, I felt like I was holding something back. Mm -hmm. Because, like, here was this, like, big thing in my life. And I have my family that lives here. And I couldn't tell them. And it was myself. It wasn't anyone. It wasn't Alan holding me back. It was, it was just kind of my own, like, fear and um, worries about the response. And we still hadn't figured it out. So it I, like, didn't want to, like, blab it to my sisters. And so it was just, it became increasingly more difficult that every time we were with them, I would just be holding this big secret back. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes, you weren't being totally forthcoming. <clears throat> About so, everything yeah, in I life, yeah. Authenticity is a big thing that, that comes to mind. So it's a feeling of dishonesty to, to not open up, even if you're not ready to, it, it can, it kind of leads to you to go, Ugh. just, you're kind of boiling inside wanting to get it out. Right. And I, and I kind of felt like, well, this isn't my secret to tell. I mean, not that it was a secret, but I, with all of you listening, you know, it, it's, when he, my spouse is the one going through the faith transition, I want to respect how he feels and how what he's going through. So I'm not going to tell everybody, even though it's really, really hard and just so incredibly lonely. And um, so I would say late last September... Uh, my sister Jackie, who I will mention because we've gotten permission from her, we just started talking and she's a very open, very loving person. And I felt like she was, you know, and one that I could talk to. So I started to talk to her and um, most of my siblings are grown with their own families as Ellen's as well. And so... Um, I, we just confided in Jackie and her husband, and they were just very patient and very loving and very kind to us. And that really helped me through, like, the latter part of the year, just having those people. So, you know, I had a sister, I had I had a, a close friend that lived nearby, and then I had another friend on the other side of the U.S., and it was that, it was those three really, um, all the way up until like December. So I think this is an important, especially at the beginning of a process like this, it's important to, to call out something because 
there were times when you weren't the only one, there were others in my life, which won't be named, that were very concerned about me having conversations with my brother Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he reached his conclusion very quickly, and uh, he and his family left the church. Uh, me being very close with him, we're talking all the time, and I'm seeing him frustratingly lose weight and be more healthy and make these these life changing things at the same time that he's giving up the faith. If you if you can say it that way, that I was seeing firsthand, like wow, he's he's really happy. He's living more healthy. And he's two inches taller than me. So he's six foot nine. I'm going off about the weight thing too much. He's 20 pounds lighter than me right now. And it's really frustrating. But anyway, back to the point of, of oh, the, the conversation. we didn't even bring this up. What? Today is Alan's birthday. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday, Alan. Thank you. 25 again. <laughs> Actually, it's 35. 36. But, oh, is it 36? Wait, that Ouch. means me. I'm 37. Oh, yeah, gosh. You are. I'm not editing that out. Um, But what I wanted to say is, especially when the communication between spouses isn't open and you don't quite know exactly where everybody is at, where your spouse is, it conversations with people that uh, feel differently than you. So Katie having conversations with her friend across the country, that can be perceived to me as a threat. Of her friend, I don't know what her friend's going to say. Is her friend going to say, just stand true? Uh, is she going to be a little bit hostile towards me of, are you sure there's not going anything else going on in his life? On the other hand, Katie can be thinking about Cameron saying, oh, what kind of what kind of anti-Mormon stuff is Cameron feeding Alan? And uh, those conversations happened. And it was at a point... Wait, those conversations meaning you were fed anti-Mormon stuff? No, me and you, those conversations of, so what did you yeah, and I Cameron just wanted, talk about I today? just wanted to clarify. Sure, good clarification. It, yeah. So what did you and Cameron talk about today? And Katie's texting her friends, and what are you, what are you texting about with your friends? And it's like this defensive <laughs> wall because we're not talking openly with each other. So we feel like outside people can influence things. And for for me, I think while that... Maybe you, ha- those listening, have experienced that, where you know what things were going great, and then my wife talked to this person and she shut it down, and it stopped progress. That's not what has happened with us. Uh, I with us, I think the more that we've been open with each other, yeah. we're more comfortable knowing that hey, she needs someone to talk to here. And I have seen Katie take great advice from someone, and in the same conversation disagree with them on something that they suggested she do as well. Am I making sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're right. I have taken to heart a lot of the counsel given to me. I have been able to decipher through what is important and maybe something that doesn't apply to us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have like the best people in my life. And, And I mean that. I mean, truly, I just have like supporting, loving people in my life. So, you know, if someone doesn't have that, I can see that that would be exponentially more difficult. Yeah. But like, like, thank God we have the best people around us. We really do. And the more open you are with your spouse about where you're at, the less threatening those conversations that they're having without you even knowing about it mm-hmm. are going to seem. Mm-hmm. So now 
there's we're at a point now that Katie and I don't agree on everything, but my conversations with my brother Cameron aren't perceived as a threat, like whatsoever. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. I think it, they've just, I love Cameron and he's been really good. He's also a therapist. And so I think that he, um, he's just a good person to talk to. He's a really and good listener. He's, just, he's a really good listener. He's really, he's just a really smart guy. Um, he's, a, he's actually really frustrating. And let me tell you why. <laughs> for, for a narcissist like me, it's really frustrating. Sometimes I'll get off the phone with him and I'll go, gosh, I just, I just blabbed to him. You you think of the concept of emotional bank accounts where I deposit, I deposit, or sorry, I withdraw emotionally from, withdraw. from Cameron. I yeah. withdraw. And I, sometimes I get off the phone. So Cameron, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. It happens frequently. But I uh, think that we'll get a off. lot of family members probably just call him blah, 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 I blah, know. blah. It's, it's like my oldest brother who's a doctor. And it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Nine times out of ten that we reach out to him, it's... uh. Look at this our, weird our rash. Our kid has this rash. Do we need to be worried about this? <laughs> Here's a picture of the rash. What do you think we should do? Right. Right. So anyway, I, I we're Katie's right. We're very blessed to have uh, outstanding individuals in our lives. And even outstanding individuals can give bad advice, can, can come to conclusions or, that you don't... I shouldn't say bad advice, but advice that doesn't work for you. And or and say have, things that could be perceived as hurtful. Yes. So without naming things, right? On both sides, both family and friends, we have we have received some reactions that were less than savory, we'll say. Uh, but wait, but I will say the the caveat to that though is that um if I'm being honest, I've said things that have been really hurtful to Alan. And right. I'm and I'm Alan, I mean I'm your spouse. Yeah. And so um I like in no way do we hold that against anyone. We also recognize that they are making an effort to be loving towards us. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes yeah. more than, than anything that was said in the beginning. And so, uh, uh, yeah, just want to, there's always a bright side, right? Yep. Absolutely. You know, I, I think this is a good time to talk about, when I talked to Katie's family, when I sat down with them, because with my family, because of my brother going through that situation, and he lives out in Georgia with almost the rest of my entire family lives there. So my whole family knew that I was going through the same process. And we talked a little bit, but there was no definitive sit down and, and let them know what's going on. It was not that way with, with Katie's family. With Katie's family, there, there wasn't ongoing conversations with them. And so what happened was it was actually on Christmas Eve when we had a, a family party. New Year's Eve. Oh, New Christmas Year's Eve. Eve. Sorry. It was New Year's Eve. We had a little family party and all of Katie's family was in one house. It was at Jackie's house, actually. So I sat down with uh, each of them, uh, family members and at this party. And it was, it was kind of funny because I had this just rush of energy because I was finally being open with these people that I see all the time and admire and love. And I was very excited to do it. And so we went into uh, uh, one of the rooms in the house, locked the door 20 minutes at a time. And we and I just sat them down and said, hey, I want to give you guys an update. It wasn't out of the blue for anybody. They knew that I had questions and I had been looking at things or whatever, but they didn't know exactly where I was. And so 
I, I think that some of this, I'm really happy. Uh, all of it, I'm happy with how it went. But some of these these points of conversation that I took with them, I think can be very helpful. They were for me, absolutely. So in general, what I told them was, look, this is where I'm at with the church. I no longer accept everything in the church to be true. I'm still active. I still have a calling. There are no worthiness issues. I made it very obvious that I'm not... I'm not breaking commandments. I'm not cheating on my wife. We're very happy. We're very close. It's difficult, but we are very happy. And uh, so they knew that I didn't accept the truth claims of the church anymore. But uh, what I wanted to make sure that they knew was uh, I will never bring this up ever again. I, I have no intention of trying to convince you of the conclusions that I have come to. So if you have any questions, either now or later, I am happy to get into it. I absolutely will answer your questions. If you want to send me a talk or a you know, conference talk or a scripture to read, I will read it and I will respond. So if you open that door, I'll walk through it, but I will not be knocking. So uh, also, I, I, I wanted to make sure that they understood if, for example, we're at Thanksgiving dinner and we're going around the table saying what we're grateful for. I don't want them to change what they are grateful for or change what they say they're grateful for because they know I'm sitting at the table. If they want to say, I'm so grateful for the truthfulness and fullness of the gospel, I'm grateful for the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith, they should say that. They should not edit that out because they know I disagree. Absolutely not. I'm not going to be sitting there shaking my head thinking, Oh, ridiculous. How could you be thankful for that? Not at all. Everyone has their own, their own circle of influence and what is important to them. And I don't want them to try to have to change that because of me, just like they shouldn't want me to change because of, because of them. I will say this. Everybody was extremely positive and very, very loving. I didn't get any negative reaction from anybody that, that we talked to that day. It was, it was a really, really cool experience. We hugged, we high fives and it was, it was very positive. Yeah. I, um, I'll put the regret here. <laughs> I'll just sure. insert it here. Um, so, you know, when you have someone in your family that already causes a wave and it's not that big of a deal to to go after them. So thanks, Cameron. You were the first big <laughs> wave, I think, in the family. And so when Alan started talking about the things that he was thinking and feeling with his family, it was like one person had already done that. And so it was less pain. I don't know painful is the right word, but it was less of a big deal for mm -hmm. Alan to, to go ahead and and start that process um, with uh, having those conversations with his family. Um, it was different in my family because I have to say we were probably the first ones to make a wave. And it's, it's very difficult. Uh, my regret in this space would be that we waited too long. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's the same regret that Alan felt when he didn't tell me about church stuff and um when he was doing all of his own studying it's that same sort of regret and i mean i 
I, I just like, just know that you don't have to have it all figured out before you tell people. I think that that was my fear is, or my idea was, well, let's just figure it out and get through it. And then we can tell people. Yeah. I, you know what? I remember, I'm glad that it was Jackie that did this because it wasn't until we recorded a few episodes of this podcast and we shared with Jackie, hey, we've made this podcast, decided to make it. She called Katie crying, saying, I cannot believe you guys have been going through this for four years. I mean, a couple people said that to me. Right. And and it was like, I'm so sorry that you've, you've felt this alone for this long. I wish you would have talked to me. I wish you would have, you would have said something. And looking back, it's like, I mean, it's, it's easy for us now to look back and say, man, we should have, we should have said something. But at the time it really was a very, very personal experience and it was hard. How do you say anything? Gosh, here comes the waterworks again. You're not allowed to cry. It's my birthday. (laughs) Only happiness on my birthday. I mean, like how, that's such a hard thing to tell people. Like, how do you, I don't know. It's how do you tell people like when you're in it? Yeah, because you don't, you don't, it's hard to even know when you're in it, how to t- tell yourself how you feel. Right. Because yeah, you're I mean, in the you middle don't of it. Know. So you I honestly, if, if I did it again, I don't, I don't have an answer. If anyone here has an answer, we can, we'd love to hear it. But um, earlier than we did it, I think we both agree that it should have been earlier. I don't know when though, because it was, I mean... I can't imagine doing it when I'm in the middle of my dark soul of the night. If, if you are familiar with that, uh, man, it was, everything was, was very heavy for me. And I didn't even know how to tell myself how I felt, let alone my spouse or others. So that's it, it, a really, that's a really difficult question. That one quote comes to my mind, just the, um, like the, I don't, oh gosh, I see it all the time. It's the like, be kind because everyone's fighting a battle that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like <laughs> that, like that, that's the, our whole last couple years were like that. We were fighting this kind of internal private thing. And maybe people had notions or feelings that we were struggling, but I don't, I mean, not to the degree that, um, of course we experienced, yeah. but, um, it's just such a, oh, it's just so hard. I just feel, I feel for anyone that is right now listening and that haven't, they haven't told family members or they're like right in the middle of this where they're trying to figure it out before they say anything. I just, oh, I just feel for them. You know, this rem- it's reminded me of, um, of a topic you, Katie and I have talked about a number of times and it's semi on topic, but you think about people that have left the church and you think about now I look at like how painful that experience likely was for them to make that decision. And before this journey, I've been in ward council and I've been the person that has said out loud when we talk about this inactive family and I've, I've been the one that has said he served a mission. He knows better. He knows better than this. And now I look at that comment. I just face palm. It's like, Oh my gosh. And it really makes me want to say, knock on the door of everyone that is in our neighborhood that I know has left the church and just talk to them. Just be like, yeah. how are you doing? You know, why did you leave the church? 
and not with the end intent of getting them back to church, but just reaching out to my brothers and sisters and, and letting them know that, Hey, I'm sorry if you've been treated a certain way, because I'm going through something very similar, perhaps for different reasons than you, but man, it's hard. And if you've been alone in this, like, let's be buds. (laughs) Let's be friends. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's why we're given like things thrown at us, right? Is so that we can have empathy towards others and that we can demonstrate what God wants us to learn, which is the pure love of Christ. I mean, that's like more than anything. I just feel love for people um, that have anything to do or deal with this. And, and maybe I didn't before. <laughs> maybe right. that's why I well, we have, need you, to learn. But it's, it's all a process. It's it is all a process. growth as you go. Yeah. And so along those lines, um, you know, once my family knew, there is a, a group of girls that I go out with every month for dinner. And um, we've moved away from this ward. We've been in our current ward for about two years now. But uh, I became really good friends with a couple ladies. And so every month we'd get together and have dinner and talk about, you know, just life, what things that are going on. And I remember one of the last dinners, I think it was like October or November, I was just on the verge of tears the whole time because I so badly wanted to open up and just tell them and, you know, what was going on in my life. But I just was I felt held back and I left that dinner not that there's anything wrong I mean these ladies are like amazing people and um it was just myself holding holding myself back and I left that dinner feeling like I can never go to one of those again I I can't ever go there because I'm living a lie you know I like I'm saying things are fine and things are not fine and so just this last month, we went to dinner. It was the first time we had all been together for a while. And um, I sat down and I decided that now was a good time to tell them. And so, I mean, towards the end of the meal, I just told them about everything that was going on. And um, it, I mean, of course, they were just like so really rude, right? <laughs> they were really judgy, and they were so judgy. No, they were just so generous and loving towards me, and they asked immediately about my podcast. And um, one of my good friends texts me at seven thirty the next morning, and she's like, "I stayed up till one listening to the first three podcasts, and oh my gosh, like it." They were so beautiful, and it just meant so much to me that they would take the time out of their lives to just dive into what I've been dealing with. And and then this same friend said, hey, um, do you want to go to the temple with me? And knowing the situation and I, and she hasn't been the only one there. My sister Jackie has, um, a lot of close friends and family have invited me to do things that they know Alan doesn't do anymore. Well, I get people inviting me for drinks all the time now. (laughs) You don't do that either. No, I don't. (laughs) Anyway, um, so like I can just say that you, the people that are closest to you and love you the most will show you so much grace and so much, so just so much support. And that's what we both have, have received. And I feel like 
crazy blessed and honored that they would even reach out to me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I bet it's a lot of it has to do with how you approached it and how you talk to them about it. Um, I just today at work, just today at work, I had a random colleague that I've worked with for five years send me a, a chat over our little message system and said, hey, I found your podcast on Google. And I went, oh, um, okay. So we went to the break room. We got a, I ate a scone. It's my birthday. I'm allowing myself carbs like I haven't for the last month. <laughs> All week long. Uh, that's terrible. But anyway, um, and, but the conversation with him wasn't, oh yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you. Oh yeah. Look, have you seen the CES letter? Have you seen, it wasn't that at all. It was very respectful. The way that you approach it matters. The way that you talk to your family and friends matters. And even when you do it right, some people won't react the way that you hope. And just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like Obi-Wan. Take the higher ground. Keep the high road. Take the high road. Keep the high ground. Don't. I've gotten baited into some pretty contentious conversations. And with the intention, starting the conversation was literally starting the conversation. We do not need to get into the details. I just want to tell you kind of where I'm at. And then I got baited into going to the details and it did not turn out well. So I try to avoid that. If you want to come to me for details later, fine. But for the initial conversation, especially like let's, let's keep it what we have in common, the values that we're trying to teach our children and our family and loving each other. So how you approach it matters. If anyone out there does get a contentious response, especially when it's from a parent or a spouse that that can be so difficult be patient this is a really hard thing for them to hear about your faith crisis when the church and what the church stands for and living and families can be together forever you can live with your family forever you admitting to them that you no longer believe that even if you're not really really careful it can make them feel like you're you're throwing them away with it and that's really hard for everyone involved. I like that. I like taking the higher ground. And I, I would like to think that maybe we have in most in instances, but, you know, I mean, we can't. We're human. We make mistakes. We say things that we don't mean. Yeah. And, and that's just how it is. But I think that um, in the situations where I have felt a little bit of tension there, I have done, all I've done is just kept quiet. And honestly, like, that has helped quite a bit. I don't, I don't like to fight about anything. I'm just, okay, let's just move past this. But yeah, and, and a lot of that has to do with personality. I mean, it does, I'm yeah. not, I'm not a contentious personality type. Would you say? <laughs> well, no, you're not contentious. But if you feel strongly yeah. about something, you have no problem I don't. I have like, no problem sharing my feelings about something. And not especially when, but even when uh, they dis you disagree with somebody. Yeah. Such a common thread of my conversations with family and friends. We had a, I had another conversation with family on a topic that we really disagreed on. But the whole point, the whole conversation, which lasted probably 45 minutes, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Katie was there and she sat there and listened. I, and, well, but the whole point of the conversation was not only is it okay that we disagree, it's yeah. healthy. It is so healthy 
to disagree with someone. If you are respectful. Especially in a respectful way. Especially in a respectful way. At the end of the conversation, we literally hugged. Me and this individual hugged. And we're like, I love you, man. It's all good. Like, it's okay that we disagree. It's awesome that we disagree. And he agreed. He's like, look, when I hear other people's points of view, it really helps me uh, question, okay, where am I at? Did I learn something here? Can I grow and, and improve based on what I've learned? Yeah. That's how I try to approach every conversation. It's not a perfect process. But also, and you recognize that there are people that are just, no matter what you say, no yeah, matter how are. you say it, it's just going to lead down that contentious road. And I mean, I just think like, avoid it. I'm, I'm just like, I don't like, I'm the person that if I get upset, I'm going to shut down. Like I'm going to be quiet. Right. I'm just going to crawl into my hole or I'll go quietly into the bathroom and cry. <laughs> That's yeah. basically like me. I don't, I just don't like feeling contention there. And so, uh, I think avoiding it is usually just the best, right? Absolutely. The last thing that we want to talk about is telling ward members because as of today, Katie, who in our ward knows about this? Okay, the stake presidents mm -hmm. and the counselor knows. The bishop knows. Um, Your friend from the neighborhood. The bishop that Rick. I would say, about. yeah, I would say the bishop Rick knows. Mm -hmm. My my really good friend from the neighborhood knows. Um, I'm honestly, I would be surprised if people in the ward didn't already have suspicions. Well, yeah, if you've listened to the other episodes, I've mentioned a few times that I'll raise my hand and say something that is a uh, counter to uh, what is being shared in gospel doctrine or something like that. So yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I'm sure that people th think that Alan had or have their suspicions about how Alan feels about things. Um, it's a little different because we're present every Sunday, both of us. And so, you know, unless someone is actually missing, then that's when you start having questions. But other than that, really no one. I've sat down with, two individuals from Elders Quorum. That's right. And that's it. Just two. I'm in the Elders Quorum presidency. I haven't even talked to the Elders Quorum president about this. Well, he's moving. <laughs> he's also moving. He's yeah. moving. But um, I have thought, I've had, I have good Sundays and I have bad Sundays, just like, you know, all of us, right? Especially with dealing with all of this. And I've thought multiple times, I just need to tell my presidency because they need to know that there are going to be good days and bad days for me. Mm -hmm. Right now, overwhelmingly, it's been more good days, and I've hid the bad days. You know you know those Sundays where you, like, get to church, and you're on the verge of tears, and you know if anyone asks you how you're doing, you, it would all come out, and you would break down. I've had a number of Sundays like that. Yeah. Not recently, but um, I think the next... The next group of people I will I will be telling is my presidency members, um, just because I work closely with them and I've been with them. I'm good friends with them, and I think that it would be helpful for them to know. Yeah, but I I don't feel like we're gonna be like shouting it to anybody. I don't think anyone needs to know. No, if we don't have a plan or process written down to. Okay, this week we're telling this group, and this week we're we just as is natural, we will talk to people about it. And I don't feel the need to get up in sacrament meeting and say, "Hey, this is where I'm at." I don't think I'll ever feel that need. No, uh, I do. I do, in spite of the way that I feel about 
overall truthful claims of the church, I still want to be a part of it. It's been a very huge benefit to my life and doesn't mean I agree with not just historical things, but some present things as well. But what better way to, to help, even if it's at a local level, to improve things than being an insider, especially if you're an outsider, you're not listened to. I don't want to be an outsider. I want to be an insider. I want to enact that change from within. And a lot of people think that is a fruitless effort, but personally, it's very rewarding for me as well. Right. So you just do what's best for you. You tell the people that you think will be, it will be helpful to tell. And just like, I wish I could give you a big virtual hug. I mean, I, I feel like this process is hard and that step of telling friend, friends and family and, um, you know, those close to you has got to be one of the most difficult things that we've had to deal with yet. But you will be surprised. I will say that you will be surprised at the people that you had preconceived notions as being maybe more uppity, more judgmental, um, at how really loving they become. And maybe you won't be surprised, but I have been constantly, um, pleasantly surprised through the process at the the number of people who have just like wrapped their arms around us and have texted us and called us and invite us to things and who just are really looking out for us. And I just hope and pray that that's what happens with you listeners out there. Mm-hmm. That's That's just, I guess, my hope for the episode. This has been Marriage on a Tightrope. You are not alone in this journey. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram on marriage on a tightrope and marriage on a tightrope.org. The new Mormon discussion podcast website has now opened up a individual website for each of the podcasts. So you can still find us on Mormon discussion podcast.org for the time being. Uh, eventually that will move to Mormon discussions.org, which is open right now. But you can go directly to us as well at marriageonatyrope.org. Uh, if you have any complaints, you can send them to <laughs> the trash. We don't care at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Walking a tightrope